0: Four o'clock football frenzy on Cofield and Company.
1: Silver 7's on a Thursday. Happy hour's going on right now 277 on many of the drinks. Two different bars, silver and gold, and also we're at the Bud Light Lounge. We're here every Thursday, and I think eh, we'll get it confirmed, but you remember they had the awesome beer specials for every football game that was on, every NFL game that was on. They'll be bringing that back. Nice. I don't want to jump the gun. But great spot here at Silver 7s to watch football, bet football. you got the William Hill Racing Sportsbook uh, right across the way. And cool gaming pit, tons of machines, free giveaways three days a week. Got the Thursday great gas giveaway after 6 o'clock when we're out of here. Every 15 minutes, $100 gas card goes out every 15 minutes. So you want to come down, play, use the A play card, sign up, and you're good to go.
2: The tap a Tank for Russell Wilson.
1: Russell Wilson is driving a monster truck. John found it very obnoxious when he showed up at Broncos camp. Crunch, crunch time. (laughs) So we were just talking about Jim Harbaugh, who sometimes seems like an idiot and quirky, but he's really not. I guess he's quirky, but he's not an idiot. Did you see the gem that he dropped at Big Ten Media Days about NIL deals? He says players should – Directly share in conference revenues by directly signing players to NIL deals. Wow. Yeah. That is forward thinking. It is. Now, why would coaches in the Big Ten, some of them, because Ryan Day has been pissing and moaning and whining, why would this be a brilliant idea for coaches in the Big Ten?
2: I feel like this is a quiz that I'm not. Gonna it's pass. pretty easy
1: when you think about it. What? Because the Big Ten has the biggest TV deal. Oh
2: yeah. Okay. So yeah, yeah.
1: Guess what advantage they would have over, say, like the little Big Twelve, right? right. So when the Big Ten schools are getting a hundred million dollars plus every year, and the Big Twelve is at like thirty-seven million, I mean, it's a, I mean that that is that would be a way of buying players. Like, we just we just simply have a bigger player budget than. Not the SEC, but the, what, the power, too, would have such an advantage over whatever's
2: left. I mean, one well, the first to do it, too, right? So you'd, yes. you'd, like, you'd be able to establish quite the footprint when it came to getting these kids on the payroll, essentially, of the Big Ten. And for Harbaugh, like when people see this, they're like, he's pro player. This guy, unlike so
1: many, he loves the players. He wants them to get money. Yeah. Then on the recruiting trail, are like, hey, Jimbo, he, he loves you. You hear what that coach says all the time? You know, Dabo Sweeney says he's going to leave college sports. Jim wants you to have money. Yep. Oh, Jim Harbaugh. What a great
2: guy. He cares about you. He'll raise your kids if you don't want them. Right.
1: Is that, is, that, is that what he's doing? He's just building, like, a whole bullet point thing about how great. He'll do anything for you. Right. Including raise your unwanted child. Right. Good old Jim. So we want you to protect yourself, but otherwise fornicate to all delight. If you really think
2: about it, it's actually it's brilliant when he walks into like opposing living room. Like there's all these living rooms. Like, oh, you're going to Alabama? I'm going to raise your kid? Yes. Yeah. Because I will. <laughs> you don't want him? By the way, I've been, pushing you, I've been pushing to get you on the Big Ten payroll. So, you don't have to have a kid, and I'll get you paid. You don't ever Why hear me
1: whining about giving you guys money. I'm all about it.
2: Why don't you come on over and play for me in Michigan?
1: Josh McDaniel spoke today. He speaks a couple times a week. 7.45 in the morning. Early riser. He's ready to go. He was chipper. He's fired up. Talked a lot about the offensive line. We're going to be doing that the entire preseason. Because you got left guard, right guard, and right tackle up for grabs. Now, I mentioned earlier, and we've talked about this a few times, the Raiders are running laps in practice. Players, when they make mistakes, run a lap. And my first thought when I saw this was, oh, my God, this is very Belichickian, what's McDaniels doing? But it actually is a player-led initiative. And McDaniels was talking about the team maturing and trying to avoid mistakes, and he brought up, one of the young guys challenging for the guard position,
3: Lester Cotton. Lester Cotton jumped off sides right at the beginning of the one-on-one period yesterday. And he wasn't even going. The other guy was going. So Lester, you know, he just took off and, you know, did a lap, right? And he comes back and he looks at me and he goes, I'm tired, boss. You know, and then he has to go in there and do a rep. And then he comes out of the rep and I said, how was that? And he goes, I, I don't want to run no more laps. And it's starting to, to sink in that there's a penalty. There's a cost to a mistake that you can prevent, You know, and whether it's the ball on the ground, you know, you saw you know a couple balls on the ground yesterday, which is a couple too many. Um, You know, if that happens in a football game, we put the ball on the ground. It's hard to just say we're trying to coach to win. You know, you have to learn how to not lose the game, and then you have a shot to win. Good stuff. Yeah. Laps.
2: I. It obviously it works if the players buy into it, right? And I think there's a way to approach it as well. Like especially with players, it's with being the. The impetus behind it. Like, Judge, I think we got reports that Joe Judge was trying to do this. Brilliant. But he came in, it seemed, again, yeah, obviously wasn't yeah, there. Yep. But by reading all the reports in between the lines, he came in with a almost like a, I'm coming from the Belichick tree mentality. I'll teach you how this is done, as opposed to kind of working with the guys and realizing, hey, let's learn how not to lose together, guys. Yep. And thus players buy in and want to do stuff like this.
1: And the reason I said brilliant is your that narrative is perfect. Joe Judge came in and was a hard ass. Mm-hmm. Who else was a hard ass? And almost immediately, the team is like, "Who is this guy?" Like Belichick is one. You, dude, you ain't done nothing. You're going to come in here
2: and be freaking drill sergeant. Patricia wasn't yep. it? Yep, yep. Wasn't he also though? The thing with Patricia, if I remember correctly, was not only was a hard ass, but he also did not have the same parameter set for himself. Was he not late to meetings at times? Like, so he would try to be hard-ass, but then not set the, set the same standard for himself. Well, my
1: other favorite moment with Patricia was, and and you remember last week, uh, Paul Gutierrez from ESPN.com, and Derek Carr got into it a little bit, right? Derek Carr took a shot at Gutierrez. Gutierrez waited a couple, a couple seconds while he was answering, and then cut him off and started to spar with him a little bit. Yeah. Matt Patricia walked into a media session one time and looked at the front row of media people and told the guy to sit up and stop slouching. Yep. And I remember on the air, I was like, "Dude, you're six one, 350. You look like an unmade bed every day. Right. Me slouching, you're a slob. Like, we're, we're not the players. I mean, that's that's how that's how, like how Belichick he comes in. Like you do that now. Now you're doing it to randos in the media,
2: right?" And when worst, you're when you're walking
1: in sporting a fupa, get out of here.
2: And the worst part was probably the media member did set up because you got to respect the guy. Right, like, I'd, I'd be like, screw <laughs> off, dude,
1: get out of here. Well, we've we've had uh, we've also had showdowns like uh, Tony La Russa one time challenged. I think it was Bernie Miklas. He, he started getting into it with uh, one of the veteran reporters, Bernie Miklas. And I'm not saying Bernie's in shape, but Bernie is probably 6'7", 375. Mm. And Bernie Miklas stood up and he was like, "What." And is like, you know, 67 at the end, but he probably was that old, whatever, 62. Yeah. And it, it it calmed down real quickly. <laughs> like, relax, I'm not one of the players, okay? You want to yell at them? You can do it. But don't do it to me. Um, I thought another interesting story he told today was about his new offensive line staff. Tom Cable has been part of the Raider family forever. Mm-hmm. Very accomplished guy. So McDaniels and Ziegler brought in a guy, uh, Carmen Basilo, and his assistant is Cameron Clemens. And he started talking about... Uh, Brasillo, who's not, he's no like spring chicken, he's an older guy, but he's actually an older guy without a ton of NFL experience. Listen to McDaniels talk about the guys who were trying to build up that offensive line on the coaching side.
3: He dove in uh, at the ground level, uh, which I loved. You know, he was an offensive line coach, you know, in college football and came to us and um, you know he was at the bottom of the totem pole and breaking film down and learning a brand new language after many many years of doing it a different way that's a humbling experience especially when you're you know you're, I mean I did it when I was 23 years old he did it when he was in his mid-40s you know and so there's an element of a sacrifice there and his mindset is the same he he doesn't he, he doesn't think he has all the answers neither do I and we're trying to grow and improve each day and each year and um, that's what I see from him and Cam.
1: They don't have like a traditional you know, 40 years of experience, which I think a lot of people are like, well, why not? McDaniels explained what he was
3: looking for we're just scratching the surface with some of our guys that haven't done it as many years as maybe somebody else has, and that's okay. We wanted that. We didn't want everybody to be 25 years in and all that. We want to have a good blend, and uh, those two guys are really are growing, developing, and they're doing a good job. You ever hear that before? We didn't want guys who were 25 years in.
2: I mean, I kind of like it because if you're 25 years in, you might be in your ways, not willing to adjust. It's a pretty big deal when it comes to developing bodies and getting guys to get better.
0: Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. It's time for Cofield and Company's UNLV football opponent preview. Let's break down UNLV versus Air Force.
1: All right, let's talk some Air Force football. We're counting down the opponents for the Rebels from the back end of the season to the beginning. And on October 15th at the Al. Air Force is in town, which is a scary, good program. We want to break it down from a uh, hardcore standpoint. Jesse Kurtz works with the Mountain West Conference, but he's also uh, one of the radio guys for Air Force, and he joins Steve and John Von Tobel here in Vegas. How are you, sir? I am terrific,
4: Steve and John. I appreciate you having me on. Of course, of course. Uh, I'm ready for football. Are you ready for football? You bet. I, I was ready uh, maybe like January 15th. <laughs> I know, it's been right. a long time waiting. So, first of all, let's set
1: up this spot about uh, Air Force this year by talking about last year, which was an amazing season, a 10-3 and season. Could have been even better because I think all three losses were six points or less. I mean, things hummed a year ago.
4: Yeah, no, it was a, it was a really good team and kind of maybe came out of the blue, if you will. I mean, you, you thought you had some pretty good players but didn't really know coming out the pandemic year. Um, you lost two offensive linemen to the NFL, and you said, how is this offensive line that had a collective three starts um, between them going to gel and really start moving the pile? But they did that really, really fast. It's a team that led the nation in rushing for a second straight year. And any time you're able to do that at the Air Force Academy, you're doing some, some great things, and you're executing the way you want. And you're right. I mean, the losses that, that Air Force suffered were super, super tight. The Utah State game. Could have gone either way. Army came right down to the end. Um, Late scores. That was a heartbreaker. But this is a team that put itself in position to play for a Mountain West championship game, was edged out just by Utah State by by a small margin and so Air Force thinks that I think that it's got a really good chance of being right back in the thick of things and, and competing for a conference title once again.
2: That's kind of where I was going to go. What's stopping them from getting even better this year? I mean, you talk about the returning production, specifically on the offensive end. Uh, you have an offensive line that returns almost intact, and what there were a Joe Moore Award finalists last year. What yeah. stops Air Force from being just as good, if not better, from a year ago?
4: Well, it's, it's, uh, this is going to be coach-speak, but I, I think it's, it's very, very true. It's going to be injuries. If, that's, if, that, uh, if we have some injuries to some key personnel, quarterback, Brad Roberts being the fullback, the, the leading returning rusher in the Mountain West, that would certainly um, hamper Air Force's chances. But Coach wouldn't want to hear this. I think this the experience that's on this team, and to your point, the experience at very key spots. You got Hazik Daniels, the quarterback. This is his third year starting. That's pretty rare to have a guy starting for three years at the academy. Uh, you know, you're talking about guys like Dallas and Morgan, Tim Jefferson, Sean Carney. You don't have guys that, that start as sophomores at quarterback very often at the Air Force Academy. Hazik Daniels was able to do that. He's got some valuable experience. So you got a leader under center, you've got a very capable runner. In Brad Roberts, the the Mountain West leader, and then you mentioned the offensive line, you know that 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 uh, that line that gelled very much, that was on the Joe More um, watch list, made it very deep in that conversation for that award, uh, and three guys that are getting all conference um, love in Everett Smalley, Isaac Cochran, Caleb Holcomb. So you got some you got some dudes, and now you got to go out there and play ball and somehow stay. Somewhat injury free, and I think Air Force will be there come uh, come November, right in the conversation. Yeah,
1: the way Troy Calhoun puts the program together is amazing, and he finds gems from all over the country. and I wanted to build on Daniels because Daniels is actually uh, he went to high school really close to where I grew up. He went to St. John Vianney uh, in New sure. Jersey, about ten miles from where I grew up, and he was a good high school quarterback who could throw a little bit. But to you know find a guy who's basically like you know twenty two hundred miles away and turn him into this. I mean, he could go down as, you know, I don't know if he's one of the all-time greats, but he's a great deep thrower. But just speak to that. Like, Calhoun and his staff going out and finding players, and especially because we know the Air Force has different standards when they're bringing guys in.
4: Yeah, and those standards make it very tough, and you do have to find those gems. And not only, you know, you have these standards of academic standards. I mean, you basically have to be almost an Ivy League student to get into the academy academically. Um, you have to be a capable player, um, and then, oh, by the way, you want to—you have to find a young man or young woman that wants to raise their hand and say, "I'll, I'll serve my country." So you got those those things working against you. And you're absolutely right—it's a staff that works their tail off across the country to to bring in people that fit that profile. And you might get you know a player that didn't play his senior year because he was injured, so he was overlooked. You might get that undersized guy, like a Brad Roberts, where you say there's no chance this guy could play college running back. Well, here he is. Um, you you find those kids that say, just go ahead and, and count me out. Bet against me, and I'll prove you wrong. And those are the type of guys collectively that do very well in athletics at the Air Force Academy. And Hazik, one of those guys, uh, you know, Hazik came in as a sophomore. We were all wondering when that season – Went forward in 2020 He so said, geez, who's going to be the quarterback? Yeah. Dan- I had never heard of Hazek Daniels. Well, played very well in those six games, and then he got a full season last year. And, oh, by the way, he's the only player in the FBS that holds a school record for the longest pass for a touchdown and the longest run for a touchdown. Had a, had a run for a touchdown of 94 yards against Florida Atlantic and then a 94 somewhere around their yard touchdown pass against Colorado State in the same season. So he's fully capable of doing everything that's asked of him in the Air Force offense.
2: So we always focus on offense because it's it's sexy and everybody can – it's a lot easier to evaluate offense because you just look at points per game, things like that. Uh, what about what we're going to see from this team defensively? Because I thought last year one of the reasons why they won those 10 games is when you have a defense that only gives up you know, about what, like less than 20 ga- uh, points per game, uh, yeah. about 297 yards per game, really good up front, it's going to help you win a lot of football games, but they do lose a little bit more production there. What are we expecting from them defensively this year?
4: Well, you're right. Uh, it was a very, very good defense. There were uh, a number of times that they won because of the defense. You lose uh, a guy in the NFL now in Jordan Jackson, maybe the best Pro prospect at the Air Force Academy in the history of the program, probably the 6'4, 285 pound defensive lineman is with the New Orleans Saints now. So you lose him and he's irreplaceable. But you'll look to, to guys up front like a Christopher Herrera who really gets after the quarterback. Defensive line, maybe a little bit of a question mark, although I think it's a capable group. I think the linebacking core is absolutely loaded. Um, you got a guy named Candy Goff who saw a ton of time. Uh, A young guy, he'll be a junior, he'll play outside linebacker, maybe at the DB position, uh, the nickel. Vince Sanford, who's a, uh, I think, a a guy that could be in the All-American conversation. He certainly was halfway through the year last year, uh, really fast off the ball. He's an all-Mountain West player, uh, had 118 tackles. I mean, the guys are 59 tackles, say 118 in his career. Um, He really is lightning quick off the ball. He's tough to block. Uh, and then the secondary really has a lot of very uh, experienced players. You lose a Trey Bug, who in his time was an all-Mountain West caliber type player. Corbin Taylor saw a number of times. But all in all, you got a lot of guys that played early in their career as sophomores and juniors the last two years, held their own. And now I'm really looking forward to seeing how that entire group gels. New defensive coordinator this year, though, John Radzinski, who is a uh, – Air Force Academy grad and an outstanding linebacker himself has left. He's at Virginia, uh, so uh, Brian Nor will take over the defense. He's been here for a while, so that will be seamless. But John Rodzinski was a master when it comes to preparation. So how will that how will that affect this group? I guess we'll see. But the places uh, the the players are in place, I believe, to have another very very good defense here in 2022.
2: And, Steve, I just wanted to add because I wrote the Mountain West Conference preview over at VEASAN for our our betting guide. Uh, And Sanford was one of the guys that I highlight, also named to the Bronco Nagurski watch list a couple of days ago, too. So, like, if you're wondering how good good he could be, he could be pretty good this year.
1: So, you are, Jesse Kurtz is with us. Uh, He's one of the voices of Air Force football, but he's also one of the voices of the Mountain West Conference across the board. Uh, So, you're probably more familiar with all the other programs than almost anyone we talk to from the opposing schools. What do you think of what UNLV is doing right now, and what can they be this year?
4: Well, I mean, I, I really respect what Marcus Roy. you talk about recruiting and, and going out there and bringing in some some players and playing those guys young and taking your lumps. Um, he's done a sensational job. I, I really like what he has done and committing to playing those guys, and sometimes that, that comes with... Um, some, some growing pains, and he's hit those. But, gosh, you know, he was in so many games last year, the San Diego State game, the Utah State game. You get a few of those that swing your way, yep. um, and, and young teams lose more of those games than not, right? But the veteran teams that have experienced that, that have, have seen, okay, we got to that hump, couldn't get over that. against two. I mean, those two teams played for a Mountain West championship game. You're right there with them. So consistency can be tough. But one can only think that, you know, with those growing pains comes the ability and the, the know-how how to become consistent. And so I, I think it's one of those programs that, that is trending upwards. I love Marcus Arroyo's energy. The fellows seem to, to really enjoy him as a coach. So I look for UNLV to continue to trend upwards here. And, uh, you know, under his direction in, in you know, short order, uh, be right there with the, uh, the Fresno State and San Diego State. I'm not sure that happens this year, um, but I do like the, the, the type of players he's bringing in. I mean, that speaks for itself. If, if you believe in the stars, right, that, that the recruiting experts come, come out with, I mean, he's doing a heck of a job. So uh, I look forward to seeing those guys now continue to grow in the program.
1: Here's the scary thing about Air Force football, though. If you don't do the right things, they start getting downhill. You get brutalized. And then mentally, it breaks you. And I was on the sidelines for last year's game, and UNLV was real beat up in the game, and they got more beat up uh, during the game. My God, Air Force, it was they – didn't throw the ball. 70-plus runs, didn't throw the ball. And I look across the way, Jesse, and uh, we're like, where's Hazeek Daniels? Oh, the backups are playing. Did not matter.
4: (laughs) Well, if Air Force doesn't throw the ball – something is going horribly wrong yes, for the you're defense. In, right? You're in I mean, trouble. That, that can be a nightmare. They did it against Nevada, rushed for 500-plus uh, against the Wolfpack. They could not stop them. And that, that UNLV game late in the year did get certainly did get out of hand. But um, if, if Rocky Long once told me, guys, that if he had to do it all over again, he would run the option because he, he got a, 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 a wipe off board in front of me. He said, "Watch this." And he said, "If everybody does their job offensively, if everybody does their job, there's somebody that's unaccounted for it. every time." Now it's hard, right? It's hard to be that disciplined, to to commit to doing your job offensively. But if everybody does their job somebody is unaccounted for on offense and can go the distance. And, you know, Air Force did a really good job in that game against UNLV, raced out to a 24 nothing lead and didn't look back. Um, but you're right. I mean, when it's run well and run efficient, uh, you could be in for a long day as a defense.
1: UNLV and Air Force play on October 15th. It's a really interesting, and it's down here in Vegas, it's a really interesting scheduling spot for both teams. Uh, UNLV will have to play a very physical AFA team and then go to Notre Dame. Um Air Force plays Boise the next week. Now I'm not saying that the cadets are going to look ahead, but that it is a dangerous spot for Air Force coming to Vegas. You got a monster game the week after.
4: Well, and that's it's fresh. It's after the game at Utah State. You got the defending champs, and then go to UNLV, and then oh by the way, take on Boise State, who is. The uh, the annual perennial favorite in the league, so no question that that right there can be the gauntlet of a schedule for Air Force. I mean, you look at what bookends those three big games. You got Navy then at Utah State, who's the champion, yeah. then a trip to Vegas, and then Boise State and Army. I mean, that's a five-game stretch that really could determine a lot for Air Force when it comes to the Commander-in-Chief's Trophy and a shot to get into a Mountain West Championship game. And that UNLV game is sandwiched right in the middle of those five games. So, uh, you know, certainly would never say that an Academy team would overlook anybody, but a trip to Vegas with Marcus Arroyo's team trending upwards, that's... That's no layup. That's no gimme uh, in Las Vegas on October 15th.
2: So Falcons are pretty respected in the betting markets when it comes to the grand scheme of the Mountain West. Win total of eight and a half, third choice to win the conference, depending on where you look. What What do you make of their standing in the Mountain West this year?
4: Yeah, I, I think that's probably a very – look, the people in Vegas uh, certainly know what they're talking about. I think that's a very fair assessment, that eight and a half. You know, this team, a few things go their way uh, – I, I, you wouldn't shock me if it's a 10-win season, like the you know two of the last three. I mean, you got Colorado coming to the Air Force Academy, first time they've been here since 1974. Um, you, you got home games against Nevada, which obviously they've had some uh, some continuity issues. so You might have a, a shot there. Navy uh, comes to Colorado Springs. Boise State is at Colorado Springs, and so is Colorado State. I mean, a lot of those. Big games are at home. Army is a neutral site game. You go to Wyoming. So, uh, you know, No, t- I would never predict any team up 12 0. That's really hard to do, right? But I do think 8.5 is, is the sweet spot. Would I be shocked if this team won 10 games? No. Would I be shocked if they won 7 because a few things didn't go their way? Hazik Daniels gets hurt. Brad Roberts gets hurt? Probably not. So I think that 8.5 probably is the sweet spot. And I do think that Air Force very much is right there, toe to toe with Boise State and Utah State in the chase for um, the, the Mountain Division crown. Uh, Fresno State is absolutely loaded. I do think that they probably going in are the favorite on the other side. Jeff Tedford seems so relaxed with what he had at Mountain West Media Day. So I do think that they're primed to, to be the favorite over there. But I think Air Force is, is one of five teams that I wouldn't be shocked if they were the, the last team standing in December.
1: Let's close with what's going on around college football. And so much of the preseason talk has been about conference realignment. And I felt like the Mountain West Conference media days, they're like not that there was a weird vibe, but you, like I didn't want to talk to coaches too much about it, but you got to talk about it. What are you feeling right now about the conference and what's going on, especially with the Pac-12, which seems to be getting PR hits all the time?
4: Yeah, I mean, right now, I think it's a great time to be a part of the Mountain West. Um, we've got a number of teams that that had sensational seasons last year, um, both in men's basketball and and in football. Um, and look, you know, we, we hear all the rumors and, and see all the things that there are multiple Mountain West teams that may or may not be talked about for you know spots in other conferences. That's a feather in the cap. What, you know, what, do we want to lose anybody? Of course not. Um, but. We're not doing our job as a league, as a league office, or as the the twelve institutions collectively, um, if if teams aren't attractive. That, I mean, that's that's great when teams are thought of it. Geez, that team is really good. We'd like to have somebody like that. Will it happen? Gosh, uh, there, if I was predicting those, I'd be I would be a poor man at this point because I never would have predicted some of the things that go on in college football. Uh, but um, right now. Since 2011, there's been so many changes with membership in in college athletics, whether it be in the Mountain West, right? With with teams leaving uh, in, in 2011, uh, with teams coming in 2012, 2013. The American has changed, the Pac-12 has changed, the Big 12 has changed. I mean, there's so many changes right now. Um, where it ends, I don't know, but. I do know that the reason that there's some Mountain West teams that are talked about as being attractive is because I think we're all doing as a 12 institution collective unit doing a great job in in elevating the profile and you know what happens from there who knows but um, it's a it's a very different but you know somewhat exciting time to be in college athletics. It was actually interesting
1: to see the shock from people about USC and UCLA for a lot of reasons, but you know the biggest thing is like oh from a regional standpoint, my God, all the travel. People forget that San Diego State and Boise were actually the first ones who were thinking about doing this. Like the Big East went through and was going to head Boise and San Diego State and Houston and SMU and Central Florida, and then the Big East fell apart. But it was over 10 years ago that San Diego State was ready to go you know, all the way east to be in the Big East.
4: Well, you know, it's funny because geography used to be a, why would they do that? Right. Doesn't right. make sense. It seems as though now the trend is. How, how far can we expand our brand across the country, right? I mean, that's the whole reason that, that the Big Ten probably is, is interested in, in UCLA-USC. I mean, it, it expands their brand with households. It gets them into another TV market, um, TV time zone. So now you've got these Big Ten games that theoretically could go from, what, I guess, what do they kick off in, in Vegas, 9 a.m.? 9 a.m. to midnight? Um, so... No longer does it seem as though geography works against you. It's something that that is, is craved because of of TV markets and dollars, and um, I mean that's that's the race that we're in right now, I suppose. That was a great spot. We
1: appreciate it. We'll see you down here in October when Air Force comes to town.
4: Yeah, I appreciate it, John Steve. You have a uh, a great rest of the summer and look forward to that. Thanks for the invite. There he is,
1: Jesse Kurtz, one of the voices of the Mountain West Conference, uh, color analyst for Air Force football and UNLV. Has to be ready this year. You know he's had success in the past against Air Force, but it's all about assignment football and stopping the run and forcing them to throw. Now, Air Force, when they throw it, you know, Hazeek Daniels was actually pretty good last year. Um, I think he, I think per completion he led the country at 22.6 per completion, but they never even got to test that last year. They they went into that game. They were beat to hell. They were really beat up a quarterback. Um, Rodgers had to play, and he fell apart. Multiple receivers – had to go out of the game. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying some of them were like, you know what, I've had enough. But it was one of those games, and I, it was so rare last year for uh, UNLV led by Marcus Arroyo to spit the bit because they, they worked every game. That's why they were in so many close games. They fought like hell even though they were undermanned. That was one of those games where they – and, it's just, you know, it's it's funny. It's like you have styles. You don't expect the style to be the same in football and basketball. San Diego State has the same – like essentially the same football and basketball style. Yep. Air Force same thing. Just grind, grind, grind. And last year when the rebels an offense dude, an option when offense when the rebels went up there for basketball last year, they got out to this big lead and Air Force is like, We don't care. We're just gonna keep running the offense and they kept running it and they went on this big run and the runner rebels were like freaking this got so frustrated that they lost they just lost it mentally and that's Air Force uh, football definitely can do that to you if you don't do what you're supposed to do.
0: Daily happy hour specials from 3 p.m. to 5 p.m., including 277 for pine shots and margaritas at the William Hill Race and Sportsbook inside Silver Sevens. <laughs> You're live with the Fat Pack on Cofield and Company.
1: I don't care if the sun don't shine, I do my drinking in the evening time when I'm in Las Vegas. So, if you've been listening to both the Press Box and Cofield and Company, we've had some fill-in spots on the Press Box. And uh, John and I were on the Press Box the other day, and I brought up a restaurant decorum issue that I had. And we don't have to go into it too deep on this show. But it basically came down to what do you do when your food comes out first and the rest of the table doesn't get their food, right? So, I got my food first the other night.
2: You're You're eating, right?
1: He's asking Jed, yeah, you're you waiting right. Yeah, you see, you don't wait for the rest of the table.
2: No, everybody gets their food. Yeah, he, yeah. Jed
1: says he waits. Oh, um, come on. I wait. Stop. I waited. There were uh, three other people getting food. I waited because I had gotten some wings. I waited. It was probably eight minutes until their food came, and then I grabbed the first wing, and I was like, "This is not hot." I don't mean spicy. Temperature. Yeah. Like I'm a hot food junkie, mm. and I have no shame in my game. I learned. At the feet of one of the most aggressive people ever at a restaurant, she got what she wanted, my mother. I saw her return stuff all the time. So I asked the guy, I was like, hey, do you mind just kind of you know, throwing a blowtorch on these and heat them up, right? I didn't say that, but just kind I get them hotter. Brought them back, they were hotter. It was a good night. It was a good night. But you had a big issue with waiting and then having the audacity to ask after I'm the one who really Waited. made them go cold right. by waiting.
2: You shouldn't have done that. Okay, you're the reason why they were cold. You waited. Uh, next one. Is there ever a time that you
1: won't take home leftovers? let box them up. I will do it, as I told you the other day on the air. I'll repeat it for this audience. I will do it with the smallest morsel of food. Um, you know, prices have gone up. I love leftovers. I grew up on leftovers. Yeah. So, and I don't mind reheating stuff. I don't mind putting stuff together. And I, I push the leftover limits. Like I'll, I can go. I'll go nine days after our leftovers in the fridge and still eat it.
2: That's aggressive. <laughs> it is. It is aggressive. Uh, I will say. I think I have one. There's one. Like it's not even like not leftovers, but I won't take that portion of the plate home is if there's some sort of of cream or, you know what I mean, sour cream doesn't really age well in the fridge if you're just sitting there on food. Um, Eggs are tough. Eggs. you got to eat eggs pretty quick. Guacamole. Yeah, guac, the brownness on the guac. Yeah, things that age poorly and relatively quickly, if it's, like, intertwined with that, it won't mix it. But, to your point, more often than not, you just scrape that stuff off and then you still bring it home. But if it's, like, mixed in there, then it's a no. Okay. I think that's a fair... I don't. I don't, I don't.
1: I have no problem with some of your objections. That's yeah. that's that's fine. Um, so again, like if it's certain company, right? People that you're having a meal with, would you be embarrassed to take a box, box no. up your food? Never. Okay.
2: Never. I mean, you pay for it. Why would you ever be embarrassed to take it home? What if it was free? Like you got the food for free. Mm-hmm. Like so, in that you complained, got the food for free. No, 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 no. Or the no, people no. there. No, the probably,
1: meal, the meal was comped. Oh yeah. Okay.
2: I mean I think it would be insult it would be more insulting to not take it. If they comp the meal and there was food left over. Really? Yeah. Alright, I feel good. Right. Like if they comped it and there was food left over, it would be more insulting to not take that food home and finish it, as opposed to getting a free meal, wasting said comp and then not even taking it home.
1: Alright, good deal. Right? So now I'll lay out the story. So here at Silver Sevens, they've got a great cafe. It's uh, a love legendary the cafe. Sterling Spoon Cafe, and they always have really good specials. And basically, the restaurant's open uh, 8A to 8P. They're going to expand the hours um, in the future. They've got specials on food items like their ribs for seventeen seventy seven. That's dynamite. They've got a spaghetti and meatball special that goes down on Mondays, right? So we had a quick meeting today with a couple of the managers here at the property. Eric, who does marketing, and Jim, who's the GM. I wasn't invited. You were not. I should have. Um, <laughs> but we had some food, right? So you know I'm a junkie for certain things. I love chicken fingers. So I got their chicken fingers. I'll send out a picture. They were good. They were like chicken breast. It was like three. Three chicken breasts. Giant breasts. <laughs> they, they, were, they were massive. Breading was awesome. Uh, they did the fries the right way. So, you know, we're, we're talking the whole time. And it was a lot. And I asked for a box. After a business meeting. After free food. Am I good?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Especially if it's like chicken finger. Actually, if we're really gonna go down this path, if I was in a business meeting with somebody and they ordered chicken fingers, I'd be like, Is this person a child? <laughs> like <laughs> well, this- you have to order like this is great. Fish at a business meeting. This is great.
1: I've now dragged him into an area where he may have just stepped over the line. Right. Do you think anyone else at the table ordered chicken fingers? <laughs>
2: <laughs> Nobody else did, right? Yes. Someone Ever? Else, yeah, someone else did. Who did? At the GM, who uh, I'll have you meet later. Okay. They're good.
1: <laughs> Jim was all fired up. He, had, he right. actually cut down his order.
4: Hopefully He's like, I'll not. only
1: take two. How about this? I we're going we're gonna to talk to Jim down the road, right? Okay. How about this? I I went double dip sauce order.
2: Did you ask for like extra ranch or something?
1: I, said, I first said barbecue, and then I was like, ah, let me get some buffalo sauce. I was like, I'll just take the buffalo sauce. And then Jim was like, get them both. Oh, that's I cool. looked at him. I was like, I love you, man. That's cool. Then Jim steps up and goes, you know what? We're going to put the kitchen to a test. Mix them together. I want gravy.
2: Which kind of gravy? Like breakfast gravy or brown like gravy? Brown gravy. He's Canadian. Is that a thing? Yeah. Well,
1: I mean, like it's more—it's it's more of a French Canadian thing. Yeah. Uh, Great, you know, gravy and poutine.
2: Oh, Okay, I've never had poutine or yeah. that. I've and, had gravy. And
1: gravy is a really big thing. I I believe all over the North. it's big everywhere. It's okay. gravy. It's delicious. Yeah. It's been around forever, but it's big uh, in my home state. Um, Fries and gravy are really big. They make disco fries, right? Gravy, cheese, and fries. So, mm-hmm. so I, I was like, wow, we're brothers from another mother. We both got chicken fingers, and he's he's a dipper. I was, at, you know what, I, I could have, I really could have been obnoxious and go, you know what? Cancel my dips. I want the gravy.
2: Yeah.
1: But I didn't do that. I figured Give like, them all three. I figured that like that he'd be like, all right, that's it. Deal's, Deal's done. Yeah. You're out of Silver Sevens. Last week you've been here.
2: Can I um, can I just say yes? This is somewhat dangerous territory. I want to first put it out there that I'm very very grateful for the things that my job affords me. Okay, I get to talk to a lot of powerful people, people that are very more well off that very more well off than I. Am, whatever. Sure. It is there is there is no better thing in the world than ever, uh, they, than having a meal or going somewhere with the person of status and being in their environment of which they are of status so like for example you know what i mean like Uh, eating dinner uh, right eating at a place like this with the general manager or i have had the luxury of being downtown with Derek stevens who is a tremendously generous man who would not stop giving you drinks indoor food or anything like that
1: it's pretty cool to be among the elite isn't it it
2: is great especially when you watch people who are on your level have to drop everything and like they're nice people. On your level. But, like, you know, like the, the commoner who's working, and he had to go, hey, excuse me, and you realize, oh, that's the important guy. i got to run over here. And you're like, get this guy a drink. And they're like, you got it. And meanwhile, when, you're like, I'm not important. Right. But this feels great. If there were any other day, that bartender would ignore me for 25 minutes. But because it's today, this is great.
1: I'll throw you one more, but <laughs> on the way back, uh, because your topic is a good one. When you're friends with someone – like you mentioned Derek Stevens, does there come a point where the commoner then abuses those privileges? Because I know someone who does.
0: Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield & Co. From earlier... It's Cofield & Company's eye on sports gambling.
3: I'm going to kill your bookmaker. I'm going to rip his throat out. I will step on his throat until the man chokes. Let me tell you how. Winners! 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 Free! 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 (laughs)
1: So I want to get an update next hour on how the Live Pro-Am went today with Barkley. We'll build toward it next hour. But, we, you know, we know Charles Barkley, a, he's a crazy gambler. I don't know if in pro ams like, he tries to, you know, make bets and stuff quietly. Uh, but he might be getting an offer from Live Golf. It's a Saudis deal with Trump at uh, Bedminster in New Jersey. And so he's playing in the Pro-Am. And he said, hey, you know what, I've given him a lot of free publicity the last 10 days. I don't get an offer by the end of the week. I'm walking. Then there was the word out there that he could be offered like $15 million. Who knows, right? Then he makes like $18, $19 million a year. Casey Stern was on with us yesterday. He's an MLB expert, but he also worked on TNT and like that second crew as the lead anchor and worked with Barkley a bunch. And I was asking him about Barkley and all this money and if he would ever leave TNT and just drop the NBA if the money was right with the Saudis.
0: He has never used an ATM machine legitimately, he has, and it's not like a joke, he has no idea how to use one. He has never used one. So imagine the amount of money and the people that he has in his circle and the kind of money he's playing with. I don't think there's an amount of money that's going to make him drop basketball because the love he has for that and for the attention and all that that comes for it. He's a terrific guy, but certainly he loves the red light as far as the camera. So I don't think so. How does he not...
1: Well, How does he get cash? He, like, is, is he always doing credit card advances? Like, or, or or someone uses it for, like, they go get him the money?
2: Well, I mean, why do you need cash, though? I'm so, I, He gambles. I
1: just... He's a degenerate gambler. You got to play. Oh, what, what, is he going okay, to throw down a credit card on the table? Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't understand the rat unless he just. Well, I think he was just saying he's going to have so much money. He right. would, he started okay. out by talking about the fact that he, Barclay's really quirky. Right. Really quirky.
2: I was going to say, because I, I actually don't use ATMs either. <laughs> You never have cash. Well, yeah, no, it's all digital unless I need, like, if I do, like, I'm sure Charles Barkley has been at the Chevron before and takes $5 out, (laughs) right? No, like, unless I need, like, absolutely need something, like, no, I don't take out cash. I never have cash.
1: Big five is on the way. we got more questions about Draymond Green, and there was a potential devastating injury to one of the better teams in football. It was with the Buccaneers. TB12 is going to be looking in front of him. Might have some trouble.